to speak basketball. It's the Confederacy of Dunks Basketball Podcast. Hello and bonjour. Welcome to the Confederacy of Dunks Basketball Basketball Podcast. (laughs) I am your host, Freddie Rivas, and who are you, sir? Producer Matty Dunks, and uh, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Um, I feel like uh, if we're not in the same room, the basketball podcast echo part is going to be tough. Yeah, but I think we got it, though. I think we did get yeah. it. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying it's so tough we shouldn't try. I'm yeah. just saying we need to, like, rehearse, like, yeah. sometimes in the middle of the night. We're perhaps. doing it. Yeah. We're doing it blindfolded. So. Um, how are you doing? You're a bit under the weather. I'm a bit under the weather. I got a bit of a cold, but don't worry. I uh, learned that everyone's taking silver water now. So uh, I'm, uh, yeah. I'm taking you that. Asked, is this Adam Silverwater? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not like an, an Adam Silver promotion that he's doing or an endorsement. Okay. It's yeah. actual uh, silver in water uh, that you can get at the health food store. And apparently it works great for, uh, it's the new oregano oil. Let's put it that oh, way. Oh, cool. And then did you find this off Gwyneth Paltrow's website? Or? Uh, yeah, I, it wasn't on the Goop <laughs> site. I, it, <laughs> she's probably a level up. She probably actually uses like gold water. Which right, is, you know, Cheers, probably yeah. a whole different thing, but yeah, uh, she's like titanium smoothie or <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, well, uh, you know, we're we're a basketball podcast, we're a fan podcast. Yeah. We know a lot too, though. You know what I'm saying? We know tons. Um, we we have all sorts of guests, predominantly comedians. But if if people want to help us or uh, you know be invested in our individual and team growth, how might they help us? Where might they find us, Matt? the easiest way to keep up to date with the Confederacy of Dunks is to subscribe to us on your favorite podcatcher, whether that be Stitcher or Spotify or iTunes or Player FM or whatever you use. That is totally fine. We're open to all of them. You can go to our website, dunkspodcast.com. You can listen there as well. And all the links for all of our social media and whatnot are there for you to click on too. Um, so yeah, that'd be great if you could subscribe and rate whenever you can. Uh, you know, you only have to do it once and then you're, you're good in our books and we'll be, uh, you know, launching our Patreon next week. That's right. Uh, so the Patreon, um, I was actually thinking it'd be kind of fun. Uh, right now we have four tiers. Uh, I'll tease it a little bit. There's a, there's, there's a, um, Maasai tier. That's the top tier, obviously. (laughs) And then we got a Kyle Lowry tier and, uh, and a Pascal Siakam tier, and uh, and the tier one is Serge Ibaka. Yeah. So if you have any tiers or uh, ideas or or things you think, hey, I would sign up for a Patreon if you guys did blank, shoot us an email. Uh, let us know. You yeah. know, the Patreon is all about us engaging with you and yeah. you helping us out. Uh, yeah. You know, in any way, I mean, you know, financially, but <laughs> you know, also helping us out like how you feel is appropriate. So we want to do stuff that you like, right, Matt? Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, like uh, we want to use the Patreon to, you know, help build the podcast and bring more content and and uh, make it even better than we than we have, you know? That's, heck, uh, heck yeah. Heck yeah. So yeah, that would be great. This is our last off-season episode. Thank you for sticking with us. I know we've 
all been hungry for basketball content mm-hmm. now that the season is starting up and it's well it started with uh, quite the fireworks going off so it's uh, that's right they, and, they got uh, your attention now don't they that's right well you know it's the first <laughs> uh it's the first championship summer raptors fans have yeah. ever been able to experience so i hope you enjoyed it yeah um, how, how was it for you overall can you sum it up in a couple of words Oh, it was it was basically just magical. Like you know, I mean, I'll say there was a couple thorns on my side uh, as far as you know, just a casual writing off of the Raptors and slagging us and and people you know demanding we trade all our players because what's the point in us being good? All that kind of stuff. But it just it was hard to care that much yeah. because we won it all. Yeah. We won it. We won the championship and there's just too many positive memories from that. And I think I'm, yeah, I'm probably good for another 25 years. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I, Oh, you know, I should say this. I did my, my, uh, fantasy or not my fantasy, my, um, my, my seat draft with my brothers. That's right. Um, and I think I got pretty good games this year. Can I tell you the games? Yeah, please tell me. So I'm going to Portland. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to, uh, T wolves. Nice. I'm going to San Antonio because guess what? I didn't get to say goodbye to DeMar. Yeah, that's nice. So I wanted to make sure that happens. Yeah. Uh, I am also going to the, uh, oh, now I'm forgetting the teams. Um, I am going to, let me say, the Denver Nuggets. Denver Nuggets. Oh, and Philly. That's my last one. Oh, team. that's a good one. Yeah. And it, oh, it's not the Denver Nuggets. It's Sacramento Kings. Sacramento. So. But, uh, you know, I think, I think that, it's a fun Without team. further ado, we, we should get going with this uh, with this pod, right? All right, sure. Let's bring on the first guest. Yeah. Okay, so uh, our our three guests are, are all amazing. Uh, we, we got Simon Ho, who's who was making booze when we spoke to him. Yeah. Um, and we got uh, uh, Adam Christie, recently won uh, Sirius XM's top comic, which is absolutely insane. Huge, huge, and huge. Uh, producer and writer at CBC News. We have uh, Derek Dionarain. Yeah, uh, and uh, we'll be talking to him, um, perhaps in the CBC studios. I don't know. <laughs> uh, he's pretty cool, though. You know what yeah. I mean? He's got access to a lot of rooms. And oh stuff yeah, still. yeah, yeah. Yeah, he could be. We could be talking <laughs> to him from the top of the CN Tower, for all I know. <laughs> That's, um, okay, with, uh, with with that dumb joke, uh, I think uh, let's get cracking, shall we? Sounds good. We the North. I am here with uh, Spirit of uh, Spirit of York co-founder uh, in the Distillery District. I think elsewhere as well. Uh, he's a hardcore Raptors fan. I think he is currently making booze. Um, yep. Maybe he's taking a break from that. But he's an awesome dude. Give it up at home for Simon Ho. Pretty good. Uh, <laughs> I hope you like your weird intro track. It's got a bit of a blade fight scene vibe, you know? I'm a hundred percent into the uh, straight to DVD action flick uh, soundtrack. Oh yeah. That's yeah, great. that's that's like they can't afford the right uh, like you know setting for every scene, so they reuse a lot of scenes. Yep. Yeah, okay, I, I like it. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure this guy's coming around the same hallway, but you know what? <laughs> He's kicking ass. <laughs> um, yeah. Thanks for doing the show, dude. Uh, oh, my pleasure. I've been looking forward to uh, to this for a while. 
Well, uh, we're, we're back. We're, we're all champions. Congratulations. By the way, I feel like I'm going to say that to people all year because Eddie, every Raptors fan deserves to hear it. You're a champion, Simon. Absolutely. Until next summer, until someone else is a champion, we are the, the NBA champions. Exactly. And it feels I feel pretty like, good. Yeah, like it's important for me to enjoy that. Like we have to remind people that we're champions, like until we are eliminated from the playoffs or God forbid the regular season. But until the Raptors are eliminated from contention, they are the uh, they're the they're the like, you know, defending champs. I agree with that. And and make no mistake. Every coach of every other team that plays the Raptors this year is going to before they go out on the court, say, you know what? These are the NBA champs. Got it. You know, don't. Don't let up on these guys. They're the NBA champs. Okay. I also think we have one of the deepest teams in the league. So we're going to, I think we'll be, I mean, you know, when you get to the playoffs, it'll be a shorter bench. So we'll see what happens. But that's until we win our second championship in 2021. Yeah. See, see, this is how I, this is how we got to start the pod every time. Just talking (laughs) about how deep the Raptors are and about winning back-to-back championships. But yeah, Simon, I feel like that's a really good transition into, uh, into our first topic, which is, um, who are the 10 best Raptors? So I figured a fun way to do this would be to, we'll, we'll start from the very best and work our way to the 10th best. And we'll see kind of where we, um, where, where we kind of start to split hairs and, and disagree. Sound good? Uh, absolutely. Um, okay. Well, maybe, maybe I'll kick it off. Um, so uh, I, yeah, I think my number one, you know, I could be persuaded a couple different ways, but I think I'm going to go Pascal Siakam as my number one Raptor. Is that so? So here, I'm going to need clarification on this because I think okay. he is probably the best player that they have on their roster uh, for this upcoming season. But I don't know if he's necessarily the most important to the overall Raptors' success. That's fair. I feel like number two, or if he's your number one has got to be that guy. And I think we're probably both thinking about the same person. Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry, that yeah. Big, that big contract. Um, and it's interesting, like, he's, you know, got to be in the talks for greatest Raptor of all time. Oh, um, yeah. But he also, I think with this one-year contract, becomes our biggest bargaining chip moving forward if things are not going well, you know, towards yeah. the trade, trade deadline. So he becomes, I think, the most important piece of, of this Raptors team this year. No, that's that's a really good point. I feel like Lowry is both a really big bargaining chip uh, as far as, you know, if you're a team uh, that feels like you're a contender and your window's now and um, you need a point guard, Lowry has proven, obviously, that he can win a championship and, and also gel uh, with anyone and everyone and make players around him better. And then, you know, for us, it's kind of like we have to calculate – you know, what does having him on a legacy contract mean? Um, and and also, what does having him this season mean? Like, who is he going to make better around him? So, I, yeah, I, I think, think it, it, it comes, everything stems from how well Kyle Lowry will play. Like, I yeah. do I think Siakam is poised to be a takeover game kind of player? Absolutely. Is it going to be this coming season? I hope so. Um, I don't, you know, like... What we saw the growth in him in the last two seasons is, is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So there's no ceiling there. Um, but then it's uh, it, it's really like when he's not there, he's going to have those those growing pains, right? And who is that veteran leader who's going to get you your seven, eight assists a game? Probably put up 16, 18 points a game this year, and it's really going to go through 
Kyle and you know his energy on defense like we saw that in the playoff run last year like he was an impact player even when he seemed to be struggling offensively oh yeah well I mean like I think we go as Kyle goes and that's been the case for you know I think five or six years now and you know it's it's always got to be uh Kalo Kyle Lowry over everything and you know, maybe he should be number one on this list just out of, like, respect. But um, I feel like the point is, you know, we're, we're, we're going to see who gets edged out. So if there's a couple, yeah. you know, if there's a couple discrepancies, but we largely agree, I think that's okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to number three. And who knows, there might be more discrepancies here too. But this is kind of tight for me. And I think I'm leaning towards Marcus Gasol as our third best player. Um, yeah, you know what? This is a tough one because it, it, this could change for me really quickly. Uh, yeah. You know, if, if it, it, there's a lot of players who could move into this spot. Uh, Norm, OG, uh, even Fred, I think, is going to have an incredibly important role this year. Uh, you know, yeah, Fred. up there in years. Fred, Fred, uh, Fred's the guy for me who I think I was really debating, is Fred our third best player or is it Mark? I mean, like, if, if, if Norm keeps doing uh, what he did in the preseason, you know, that becomes a very legitimate secondary or, or scoring option, right? Like, if Kyle's sort of distributing the ball and running the offense behind, behind Siakam. I mean, Sorry, uh, Simon, are you referring to Norm Clay Powell. Thompson Powell? I am, I am. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I, he's, I, he's more he was athletic, ridiculous in the preseason. Absolutely, and it was shocking. And, you know, like... I think he's got a lot of lot to prove. Like he's got these other guys. Everyone's talking about you know Fred Van Fleet. A lot of these guys talking about um, uh, who just had another crazy. Is it Terrence Davis? Um, Terrence Davis looked great, right? And so he's like, well, he's got to earn his spot because there's a lot of guys coming up behind him now. I mean, you know. Yeah, for sure. So it's, I mean, I think right now I agree with you. Marcus Saul going into the season is going to hold that number three spot. He's the best passing big man, or one of the best passing big men in the league. So, so who, who would you drop at number four? So so far we got Pascal, Kyle, Gasol. It's fairly easy now as far as like, you know, they they definitely belong in the top ten. It's not really. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, but who would be your you know your hypothetical number four? I think I got to go Fred. I yeah. think I think I have to go Fred. Um, the role that he's going to have to play, Kyle's getting up there in years. Um, you know, like he played such an important role uh, on that secondary sort of squad that we had, that bench mob, if you will. And I think he's sort of taken that leadership role. And there's that iconic photo of him lying there, you know, face bloodied up, where it's now like, okay, this is the dude. You know, he didn't seem like he was hurt. He was like annoyed that he, you know, he was like, I got to go get stitches. And he came right back in, toothless Fred. And, you know, he, he played incredibly. Um, so oh, I think yeah. he's poised to make that next big step. Um, Fred is just like a legend upon legends after that. Like, we'll be talking about Fred in that playoff run for a very long time. Absolutely. Like, having a baby then just like basically like stepping on a comet and shooting out of this atmosphere was – it was ridiculous. Like, he literally just exploded and was, you know, in, in a lot of ways outplayed Steph. Which is just can't be 100%. can't be understated. Like, and and he he you know I mean you're never going to stop Steph from from scoring, but he did a great job containing and, and not letting it get too out of hand, especially when he was all they had. 
you know, at the end of that yeah. final series. Um, you know, again, this is another one that I think will shift. I think outside of the top three, you're going to see a lot of movement now, a quarter through the season, halfway through the season, going in into the playoffs. Um, yeah, no, I I couldn't agree more. And I think like once you get once we get closer to like eight, nine, ten, it's going to be even dicier. So I'm going to throw in at number five. Um, you know, understanding it could be Norm, it could be OG, but I'm actually still feeling like Surge is going to be an important part of this team. I think he had a really good playoffs. I mean, I think OG or you know Norm could easily have a better season than him but I mean Serge is for me he's still going to be one of the really important guys so I feel comfortable putting him in there yeah Serge 100% needs to be in the top 10 where he falls in that I'm I'm not certain um you know if he can get back to early Serge defense and he, we saw like moments of it in, in the playoffs uh last year you know he had a couple great sequences mm -hmm. um, I I don't know if I put him ahead of Norm or OG at this point, uh, only because of where I think the ceiling is for, for both of those guys, especially right. OG, who we haven't really seen. Like, my heart broke for him last year, uh, oh. missing that, that playoff run. But he he started looking like the future, uh, you know, really early on. And yeah, he knows I how mean, he's going to bounce back. From he was guarding year. LeBron. In, yeah. in in the playoffs and doing you know a pretty good job of it you know the that amazing backboard shot notwithstanding he was fantastic in that series oh totally and and he kind of approaches it fearlessly like if anybody doesn't care or walks around with what would be considered that OG attitude like it's OG right like he's like I don't care who you are this is who I am like, yeah he's pretty great like when he's also has that amazing moment where I think it was like. It was, I think it was Markeith Morris pushed him, and he was just, it was like, oh no, a Morris brother pushed OG. And OG was just absolutely unafraid, and it was like, oh, okay, this is pretty cool. Yeah, and I, and that's, so I have high hopes for him. I mean, the problem is with no games played going into it, it's, it's, this is, you're right, it is quite, quite dicey here. I don't, I don't know where this is going to sort of end up, and, and, you know, I, I hate, keep giving in uh, so easily but uh, you might be right on Surge because he's he's proven to be an important part where Norman OG have as well just not to the extent that, that Surge, Surge has. Yeah for me Surge just has a little bit more of that you know proven reliability but I'm also with you in that um, I think the other guys have you know starter potential this mm -hmm. year where, where we know Surge could, you know is good enough to start in the NBA but maybe not in an optimal setting. Like I think, I mean, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I, I'm kind of hoping that it's, you know, Gasol's our starting center and Surge's our backup. And we just have a really, really intelligent deep center for 48 minutes. Absolutely. And because you got, you know, there's a lot of age in, in those two guys at those two positions, right? We, we got Kyle and Fred there. Uh, and then we have Mark and Surge. Um, and so having that backup there, <laughs> where mm -hmm. you can take some of that load off, especially in early season games that aren't too, too important. You know, every game's important, obviously, but, you know, it's. It, I think it's going to be uh, extremely important to the overall success of the team is, you know, not we don't have any guys that are really going to have to push 40 minutes a game. Yeah, totally. Um, okay, so, so we're at five. Let's see if we can... Like uh, I mean, I think we, we know these last two spots are Norm and OG, right? Yeah, absolutely. Is that absolutely. fair? Yeah, hundred. So let's just let's throw Norm down. Let's, okay. Let's let's go let's go Norm OG, 
Yeah. And then and then here's where I think it gets really interesting. So that's seven guys. And then, you know, Nurse is probably going to play eight or nine most nights and, you know, 10 some nights and then the occasional night like 11 if it's like some extenuating circumstances. Or so games, yeah, which I think we are going to get lots of. I don't I think teams will find it very hard to score on us. Oh, I think so too. We have we have a lot of good defenders. Shooting, on the other hand, might be an issue at times. Yeah, absolutely. for this squad, um, which might play in a, to some of my late decisions here. But yeah, who who would you like? Is there anyone who stands out as like the clear number eight? Like, okay, well, if we remove Pascal, Kyle, Gasol, Fred, Ibaka, Norman, OG, this guy is obviously next. So. I have three players that I, I had really high hopes for that I would have put in this position, and that's mm-hmm. Stanley Johnson, uh, Rondé, and then Matt Thomas. Um, right. Because I think they're all going to have incredible We I really liked the pickup of Stanley Johnson. I thought he was super athletic, great defender. Kind of disappointed with his performance so far in in what I've seen. Um, yeah, he's looked kind of rough. Like, And I thought he was going to be kind of like have similar vibes to OG but he really looks kind of like out of sorts and you know maybe it's a new team thing but I'm with you on Stanley Johnson I thought he was kind of like a lock for you know seventh or eighth place uh, like on our on our roster spot and now I'm kind of like mm-hmm. should this guy play yeah I it, and that's it, and I that's a huge drop too from like oh this guy's gonna get solid 14 15 minutes a game to, I don't know if he gets any. Um, so that was disappointing. Um, but I think to speak to your point about shooting, that's where I'm like, oh, well, Matt Thomas is going to be the one that comes in there and is almost plays a Kyle Korver role for us. He doesn't do much, but he can hit some threes and spread that defense out. Yeah, and I think he, he's one of those guys that can definitely, you know, but he, he can pump fake and kind of like he's not stuck shooting or nothing where, you know, when when I watch a guy like Malcolm Miller play, I'm like, you know, you're tall, you look the part, you can clearly shoot the three, mm-hmm. and you've been a, and fantastic at the G League level. But it seems like you truly cannot do anything else. And on the basketball court, like that just doesn't work. Like you can't do no nope, not anymore. Yeah, even a guy like Danny Green, like he can pump fake and then pass, and it's like you can't really dribble, but he's kind of can he can make a play if his first option's taken away. So I, I think I'm with you on Matt Thompson, or sorry, uh, Matt Thomas. De- and, and I mean, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, he's just like, he's too, he, like, he creates things on the court. So I feel like he's also got to make something happen. But then we're kind of in this weird spot where unless you think OG or Rondé is going to play minutes at the four, the next guy kind of has to be a big man, right? Well, yeah, and that's where I kind of put Rondé in there. I put him at that okay. backup four. Um, I do think that's where he'll get his minutes. Uh, I think we'll see some interesting pairings uh, of, like, Marcus Siakam or uh, Abaka Siakam, Marcus Ol, Rondé kind of thing. I think we'll see some interesting combos. Uh, and so, yeah, you're, you're right, but who, who is that going to be? Like, I don't think Boucher is there. And, uh, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you, too, like, on, on Boucher. Sorry, if you, if you had a point about Boucher, go for it. No, no, that's it. I just don't think he's there. I, I, I really, I'm rooting for him to be good. I know. Um, you know, because I love the CanCon, but... Well, and he clearly uh, is good, but in the NBA, you really, it's like, it's how you fit into the larger picture, and, you know... 
he's he's the type of guy where if you're like, hey, you know, go out there and make something happen, like he can. But I think in the NBA, you need to kind of be like, hey, go out there and make this specific thing happen so that we can execute the plan. Mm-hmm. And I think he's one of those guys where like a, a nurse recently said in an interview that he'll get more time if he rebounds better and finishes at the rim better, you know, which is kind of like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But then when that's, you look at him, you're like, oh, I think he needs another fair. hundred pounds to do that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that kind of brings us to the end of the list, although we were, we were chatting a little bit earlier about Terrence Davis. You know, is he someone who maybe, because of his kind of like spark, gets some time over a guy like Stanley Johnson? Or do you think Terrence Davis is like a, a good candidate to like, we'll just let him run wild in the G League and, and dominate, and then we'll bring him along later? I think you start him in the G League. Uh, I think you do. Um, you know, it's it's such a hard call, and and, and this mm-hmm. is, you know, because there's Patrick McCaw saw some good minutes for us. Like Patrick McCaw too is is another guy where you know I don't really you know Patrick McCaw, Malcolm Miller. Um, I, I'm I'm not seeing much room room for them like on on the squad. Like we we have a lot of good swingmen who can play D. So I think it's kind of like if you're one of those guys, like you better come in and like nail threes. Um, Absolutely. Otherwise, it's kind of like we just you're you're a little bit like redundant. Um, and, and I mean, it's a great problem to have. It's uh, a good problem. We're deep, like you said. Yeah, I just you know I think I I I'm not all all the way out on Stanley Johnson yet because. I just it could be situational. I, I mm-hmm. think he's got the athleticism to it. I don't think he's a bad basketball player. I, uh, I but I really don't know. Like this is I think Stanley Johnson starts uh, the season in that 10 spot and you give uh, you give Davis some time in the G League, but I think that's that's very thin ice uh, for for Stanley. Yeah, no, I think I think you got it covered, and he, he he's in that point in his career as well, where he's a high draft pick. He's been given a couple opportunities, and this is now an opportunity to say like, hey, you're not going to start, you're not going to play a lot of meaningful minutes, but you're now in a situation where it's like you better do something, or some other guy who's hungrier, maybe wasn't drafted as high, is just going to come take your spot because this this is the most I always say it it's the most elite like team sport in the world as far as professional athletes. Like in the, in the NBA, there's 450 spots. That's it. Um, yeah, in, every, in every other major league, there's hundreds and hundreds of more positions. And that doesn't even reflect that basketball is, you know, probably, if not more popular than, than the majority of, uh, you know, North American sports. It's, it's, it's a contender. It's, it's really up there. So, um, well, I mean, okay, yeah, but, you know, I think – sorry, go ahead. It's truly a, an international sport, right? And so I think more and more we're seeing, like, your lineage, your basketball lineage doesn't mean as much anymore. Like, you, you, when you're playing a team with Fred, your draft, your draft status means nothing. True. Right? And I think Stanley Johnson's got to understand. Yeah, exactly. That's – that's that's a great way to put that too, because like Fred is like, where were you drafted? Cool, I'm coming yeah. at you. Um, but yeah, no, I think uh, you, you bringing up the international point is, uh, is is kind of a good transition here. Um, we don't have too much time, which is hilarious because it's a it's an extremely complex issue. But uh, 
I haven't recorded a podcast since the, the Daryl Morey tweets and then the, you know, the, the, the kind of uh, the, the, the Chinese business fallout um, and Adam Silver and, and all of the comments that have been made and all of the sponsorship that's been pulled and, and all tension in the NBA. So um, maybe I'll just throw it to you. Like, is there, is there an initial take you have or, you know, we're obviously not you know, philosophers or uh, political specialists, but I think this is kind of interesting because it, it's really, it's really centered around basketball, even if it is bigger than basketball. So I think most hardcore basketball, basketball fans will have an opinion, even if it's kind of like, Whoa, I'm just learning about all of this. Um, so yeah, before I, before I ramble on, I'll, I'll throw to you. Is there, is there something that's making you feel or yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, First and foremost, I get this is a, a business, and they need to understand what the, those margins and bottom line uh, means uh, when it comes to that, right? And you have what is at times the most outspoken sort of player base of any sport, and you, I've come to appreciate the fact that they can say these things and stand up for what they believe in, mm-hmm. you know. And and you know, ha- having half my my family be from Hong Kong, I. I and them leaving sort of when it transitioned to the, the ruling power there, I understand how deep-seated this is. I think mm-hmm. a big thing that a lot of people are missing is how deep-seated the basketball culture is in China. Like, this isn't Yao Ming. This is pre 19 Right. Like, basketball has been in China right. since pre 1900 Like, YMCA, YMCA missionaries brought it there like 1890-ish, like right after, a couple years after like the first game of basketball was ever played. Wow. And I think this is what's getting lost, right? Like when we sort of got to see that takeoff was with the Yao Ming and stuff like that. And that's why I think there is such that outrage is that Daryl was part of this franchise that they all fell in love with in China. They had the first person who looked like them be a superstar in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest mishandling of it was, uh, was Adam Silver. Like, he's got to come out and say something right away, right? And it's not fair to these players um, to have that put on them, right? Like, Yeah, I, I, I honestly couldn't agree more. And, and, and sorry if I'm kind of interjecting, but I think you made such a good point about um, the like how deep seated the basketball history is in China, and 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 how it, it predates most of what we know, and I think a lot of NBA fans just see China as this like large business venture, but it's it's so much more than that. Um, it's their national sport, yeah. and th- th- there's a lot of there's a lot of countries that I think people wouldn't really expect where basketball is their national sport. Like it's one of my favorite quiz questions is is asking people who who they think it is because it's Estonia, Slovenia, Philippines, China, and Lithuania. Yeah, um, and there's a through line there, and it's communism, and because there's no there's no major, you know, there's no one. Uh, position in basketball that has a natural advantage, like a pitcher in baseball or a goalie in soccer or hockey, um, and but the, I think it represents it, it represents like two unified sides. And absolutely, um, there's a, but there's sorry, a lot of cultural I, I, differences. I, I just well. felt like I wanted to add. No, to that. absolutely, as you should. And, and the big thing about it being the national sport there is, is that it's not like this was decided for them. They, they the citizens of China. I mean, whether you believe they have the freedom to make this choice or not, voted to make basketball their national sport. 
Like this was something that they fell in mm-hmm. love with. Um, and and it's you know, and there's huge deep cultural differences, but I think that when you see these players speak out in other leagues or in support of players in other leagues, like I always think about the Colin Kaepernick situation, right? And how closely tied right. into that that is and people disagree and stuff like that. I just there's got to be a line in the sand drawn somewhere, um, and it's such a complicated issue. And I think, you know, a large part of this is due to China being able to flex their muscle as this giant uh, pull, like economic power now. You know, like, they right. are able to say that. It's how much do you want to cave? And I, I think the goal of, of the NBA is to become an international league. And I think it truly is the most international league in the world and the argument is, is obviously soccer against that but like I yeah. can if, if you look at just the awards and the champions of, of the NBA last year there was one American on that list oh I know yeah it was like Doncic uh, the, you know the champions uh, Giannis Siakam exactly and, 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 and to your point I think um, I, I also agree with what you said about Adam Silver because the reason it's important to draw a line in the sand is, you know, if you take the Kaepernick issue, it's like, oh, no, what's Nike going to do? Um, or if you take, you know, other major issues that have happened in sports, it's like you usually kind of it's like this big thing. It's like, well, what is this single company going to do? But in a situation with China, it's like, well, we have unilateral control over X amount of companies. So all of those companies can shut down on you if you mess with us. And I think for, if you're the NBA, that's a scary business proposition. Oh, where you're kind of like, oh wow, if we if some if any one of our parties, which we don't fully control, ever says the wrong thing, then we could be looking at like not just Nike or not just Apple or not just one big company. We could be looking at many companies at the same time dropping us or something like that. Well, and I think, yeah, sorry, it's been it's been the, the evidence has been there about how China's reacted and how these other companies have like the NBA is not this is not exclusive. To uh, um, was not ex- is, is not exclusive to the NBA. Um, you know, Apple and, and how China sort of recognizes things they consider their territories is extremely mm-hmm. d- difficult for a lot of companies to navigate. Right? Like companies have been apologizing about showing maps that are not, you know, China doesn't consider accurate because That's Taiwan right, yeah. or Tibet are not included. And it's it's, you know, it's it, it, where do you draw that line? You know, I, I believe people should be able to say whether I agree with it or not, anything that they want, you know, you're going to face the repercussions one way or another, you know, and, and there's going to be, um, there's going to be pushback. I mean, I saw LeBron saying, you know, LeBron came out and he had to clarify what he said. Everyone sort of looks right. to LeBron to be this leader. And it's like, you know, he's, at the end of the day, he's human, you know, and he's going to say things and he, you know, I think uh, overall he's done a great job of being a, an ambassador for the game. But in no way no, I, do we need to make yeah. these people political role models. Like, See, okay, Simon, I feel like it's almost like we, we could have rehearsed this because you talked about all the things I wanted to talk about uh, in regards to this. And I think, you know, in, uh, with LeBron being like an ambassador of the game, I think sometimes he's taken for granted how how – you know, rarely he he makes missteps. Uh, and in a situation like this, this is just so absolutely loaded. And, you know, personally, I don't like that he's 
kind of insinuated that Daryl Morey made a mistake. But I also don't think it's fair for him to feel the brunt of, of the NBA's kind of like quiet behavior. And, and, and they know that their superstars are going to get asked the more difficult questions. So it is the NBA's responsibility. It is their PR responsibility to come out with like a, you know, a pretty, yeah, like a, like to not necessarily draw a line in the sand, but, but not be vague in your wording. Don't put LeBron in a position where he has to speak for the NBA. And then you have someone no. like uh, uh, Enos Cantor, you know, kind of offended at what LeBron said. And, you know, people are saying his, his tweet about Turkey is a little bit of a subtweet of LeBron because you know, the, you know he he's Turkey has tried to kidnap him. Uh, his father has been arrested. Like really, really some anti-democratic, like heinous stuff has happened in his life. Oh, and, absolutely. And for him, speaking out is it's not a business move. It truly is life or death. So I think absolutely. it puts LeBron in his position where it's like, hey man, you better speak like as well as Obama would. Because that's what's at stake. And if you're LeBron, it's kind of like, okay, I guess I'll take on this challenge. But also, I don't think I should be. Like, I think Adam Silver should be. And other people who, you know, are the top, top, top. Like, I haven't, I haven't heard anything from any of the owners, you know, who for the most part are all richer and more powerful than LeBron. So Absolutely. I mean, I, definitely I, yeah. richer. I mean – yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe Definitely not more powerful because LeBron, LeBron he's got huge influence. Yeah, and 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 what we and and the misstep thing is is nails, it really hits the nail on the head for me. Like, there's no scandals with LeBron. And I mean, a lot. Not that I'm saying you know you got to go to college to be intelligent, but like this kid does. You know, he came into the league. He never really knew anything but basketball. Didn't have an easy time going. He's incredibly gifted and now all of a sudden he's supposed to, exactly like he's supposed to be this world leader i know like, he puts a, like he puts a ball in a hoop for a living he does it extremely well he's done a great job in the community but we shouldn't be looking to him to have the answer to this and i don't even have an answer me either exactly and, and this kind of thing you know always happens i remember when jeremy lynn um first did like like one of his first kind of like big asia tours they you know he was really he was asked to make all sorts of political statements about like taiwan and china and the relations and i think you know during one of the like you know, like he was in this big giant kind of like auditorium and he, his answer was great because he said something to the effect of like this is like truly over my head and I think that, yes, I am very famous and I understand I can have like important influence here, but also at the same time, I could have a negative influence. So I want to know what I'm talking about. And he didn't really answer the question and people were upset, but it was also like, I felt for the guy because it's like when sanity happened, then it's like, okay, we're whisking you away on a, on a world tour. I hope that all of your international politics are up to date. And it's kind of like, uh, I don't think they are. Like, he was probably like 25 at the time, you know? 100%. And, and, and you, like, and speaking, he did drop 40 in his China debut, but uh, pretty happy for Whoa. Jeremy Lin. But at the end Go of the Jeremy. day. Go Jeremy, yeah. champion. I mean, at the end of the day, that it's like we're looking for these guys to have that answer, and we put the pressure on them, and, and it's like, well, that's a non-answer. If they just come out and be like, I don't know enough. Like, I think Draymond's response to it was great. If someone asked Draymond, it was like, I don't know enough about this to say anything. And but LeBron is in a position where it's like, well, you have to have an opinion on this. Yeah, he, exactly. He probably right. should, but like, you know, how much free time do these guys have to read the world news? Probably not a ton. They probably know a little bit about go what's going on, but what they know most about is is uh, 
how to how to play basketball, you know, and 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 I, there's also an aspect of look at the hate and and you know borderline ex, like racist stuff Jeremy Lin had to deal with in the NBA, and then put yourself in the position of a Chinese basketball fan who often is made to feel illegitimate, right? Like they. You look at the hate that he received being an Asian basketball player. There's the whole Kenny mm-hmm. Martin situation, like yep. people just always hating on him, right? And you look at these Chinese fans who, you know, they got crapped on in Toronto uh, when Jeremy Lin hit that game winner. Oh, you guys are bullshit fans. Pardon my language. Sorry, you guys are terrible fans. Yeah. This, this, and that. But no, man, for the first time in their life, other than maybe, yeah, I mean, they're seeing someone who is not genetically superior to basketball than they are necessarily you know jeremy lynn's a somewhat average height short nba player worked really hard got it done and they rallied behind him and you know Mm. and now kind of in this situation you have this country and and i understand why they feel disrespected there they're like well what do you mean our feelings don't matter right i get it i just you know it's it's such a nuanced situation that i don't think there's a right answer this is a lose-lose yeah and you know i mean I think also it's going to continue to evolve, but uh, unfortunately, I think uh, we've run out of time because I, I got to call my next caller, Simon, and I'm sure you got to keep making booze, right? I do. I do <laughs> have to make booze. I uh, I do appreciate uh, the call, and it's you know it's good to talk this stuff out. So I do appreciate that because oh, I don't even I'm not even sure I'm 100% on where I land on it. I know where I feel about what they're protesting in Hong Kong, and but as as in, you're asking me you know, to figure out what someone else is doing on the business side of what's good for them, you know it's. How do you how do you get there? I mean, it's, it's pretty. pretty it, sorry, go ahead, Matt. I was just gonna say it's pretty. It's pretty amazing that you know our first guest we uh, to have comment on it with us is um, someone who has family from China. So, you know, it's a good place to start. I think. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's interesting, and and even my family is divided on this whole thing, right? And it's, you right. know, it's it's not it's not an easy situation for, yeah. for sure. And I, I I mostly feel for these players who are put in, put in that to speak on something that. You know, they really should be up to the leaders of those leagues to, to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. And um, I don't want to lighten the situation at all, but basically I've just been watching a lot of succession. So I'm trying to think about like the ruthless business aspect. And I'm like, guess what? This is a TV show and I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I uh, it's it's I don't know if they were ever going to have a, a, a right answer to this situation. Yeah, probably not. But um, uh, I think uh, it's going to be a pretty exciting season, and uh, let's hope that this situation develops in the, in the best, you know, most amicable way possible. And uh, yeah, Simon, we'll, we'll have you back soon. Awesome. Thanks uh, for having right. me, guys. This is Adam Silver. Okay, so uh, I'm here with uh, uh, a superman of, of humor. Um, he is hilarious. He's tall. He has amazing reach and extension, <laughs> uh, a Dirk-like shot from the free throw line. It's a high release, and it's money. Uh, this guy is, is, is a – yeah, he's been on the pod a million times. He's a best friend of mine. He's, he's amazing. Give it up at home for your top comic. Adam Christie. What's up, everybody? Oh, yes. Good to be back. 
Um, It'll be back on, on my on my home podcast. I'll say. Yeah. 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 You 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 were on the. Sorry, were you going to say something, Matt? Well, no, I was just I was just saying, yeah, he's one of our you know our our. our uh, Oldest guest that we've had on that's been on the most. He's been uh, right from the beginning, way back in uh, 2014 there. That's right. I remember when you used to call this the Basketball Jones. <laughs> yeah, yeah but we, then we went to Atlanta for a couple yeah, years. Yeah, now, now who, who fucking knows what's going on? <laughs> yeah. I, I did listen to their new podcast. It was pretty good. It's called No Dunks. No oh. Dunks. Yeah. Um, Cheers. But, uh, but Adam, let's, let's like, talk about the, the most fun stuff right away. So you won Sirius XM's top comic this year. I did, Freddie. What the hell? I don't, I don't know. Those is guys are like crazy. A, is, was it like a Russia thing? Like you were like openly asking for their help and all that? or? <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, uh, Hunter Biden isn't on it. Both <laughs> yeah, guys yeah. were in on it, really. Good, Me good. and Hunter Biden were like getting votes. Um, yeah, it was big, big scam. For sure, a big um, scam. So how many stages are there like in the competition for Sirius? So there was, I think, oh God, four stages. So you, you, I had to submit a video and then 60 of us made it to a thing. And then I, I did a set and then it got down to top 18 and then I got to down to top 10. And then we did the thing at the Queen Elizabeth Theater in uh, Toronto. And now I'm going to Australia. Oh my God. So, so the top 10, um, that was like all like one, that was like one big final show slash competition, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I feel like you're pretty steely, but were you nervous or were you, were you like thinking about the big picture or potentially what you could win or were you like, whatever, this is another set? No, I literally didn't watch anyone else's set, uh, out of nervousness. I like pounded to uh, beers right after my set and I uh, played video <laughs> games in the basement because I didn't want to hear anybody or uh, I was very yeah. so nervous. Um, so like, I feel like m most comedians are, you know, fairly in the moment and, and, and that sort of thing. Well, once they get going, but that, that transfer when you first get on stage is always a bit blurry. So like, did, did Ben Miner intro you? Were yeah, you ben like, Minor I introed me. Like, did, did you high five him or were you like, Ben, get off the stage. I just got to start <laughs> right away. No, I, th I think we shook hands. But when <laughs> I did win, when I did win, he, he like brought me up on stage and immediately was like, uh, okay, give a speech and gave me the mic. And I had no idea what to say. Like I didn't thank my girlfriend or my mom or any of my friends. <laughs> and then, um, on the just cab, we took a cab to comedy bar right after. And I went to Jordan, my girlfriend, I was like, I didn't thank you. And she went, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. She, she definitely yeah. clocked it. She was like, instead of, oh, being, yeah. oh, oh, no worries. She was like, yeah, you didn't thank me. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, it definitely wasn't a response. Like, oh my God, well you just won. And who, who knows what's going through your head and yeah. who knows what you're going to forget. No, it was like a, oh, I know. So and you know what? I, I think it's, she, she clocked it in deep, and it's going to come out at some point. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I already referenced this with, a, with the first caller, but I've been watching a lot of Succession, and I think that she'll definitely use this to manipulate you, like at a key, key point in your life. Yeah, well, I hope so. Um, Adam, I was going to say that uh, when you won, I was having a, my honeymoon in uh, Cambridge, Ontario. Oh, my hometown. Yeah, so I was at the Langdon Hall. 
Did yeah. you go to the pro life, um, the pro life museum in downtown <laughs> golf? Oh my god, uh, I did. I didn't know there, that existed. I did do quite a tour of Cambridge, though. Well, um, listen, downtown golf is a beautiful place. I I tell everyone to go to downtown golf. It's wonderful. There's some nice things to do. There's an abortion museum. Well, I think it's one of these places that it's like pregnancy center, and then you go and they're like, you better have this baby, uh, right? <laughs> Because I think a lot of people go and being like, can I have an abortion here? And they're like, lock the doors. <laughs> yeah. They're like, we can we can talk to you about abortions and why you're evil. But, but yeah. no, no, there's no doctors here, man. Downtown cult, <laughs> baby. Um, wait, so I, I got a few more like like ridiculous questions about Sirius, if that's okay. Okay. So, so did you get a big check? I've never no! got a big check. You, you didn't get, get a big, big like a big fake check? No, and I, I mean, I can't say I'm disappointed, but I'm not, you know, I would have been thrilled with a big check. Yeah, because I didn't Although see it. Although it would have been, been like a really cumbersome thing to bring around. And like I went to Comedy Bar to meet up with some people and it really yeah. would have felt pretty kitschy if I, <laughs> I got a small check mailed to me. It was, it was a huge gag in Happy Gilmore. We, you know, we don't need to revisit it. Yeah, you're right. You're you're right, Matt. Happy Gilmore covered that. <laughs> um, wait. So so when do you go to Australia? I go to Australia in two in two weeks. I already bought a Nintendo Switch for the flight. It's 22 hours long. Uh, I have a day. I have a day to get accustomed to Australia time, and then I do four sets. For God's sake, in Australia. Wow. Australia. That's gonna My be. God. It's gonna be hot. That's pretty. Hey, there's a lot of basketball fans in Australia. I'm, you Nathan know, I'm Jawai sure we have. There. What's that, sir? Nathan Jawai is there. Ozzy Shack. Oh, Nathan Jawai. Oh, yeah. yeah, he got oh, drafted. I once, uh, in... I once saw Nathan Jawai in. I used to work at Noah's Natural Health Foods, and Nathan Jawai and his mother came in, and they were looking for a natural, a natural uh, laxative. <laughs> oh dear. Oh yeah. Jesus He's like, listen, these bowel movements are messing with my fragile heart. <laughs> oh no! I need, I need Poor. to have an, a nice casual stool here if I'm going to be an NBA player, let alone Shaq. <laughs> oh yeah, he had to retire because of his heart. Oh, he did. So he sad. did. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think I think we can talk some ball. Are you, are you Let's ready? Talk some ball. Oh, what? Um, we we've both suffered a lot. We used to share season seats together, you know, through mm -hmm. most of the Bargnani era, mm -hmm. and. Um, the the Raptors won a goddamn champion, goddamn championship, and I, I'm saying this to every guest. But yep. congratulations, Adam, because you're a champion. Thanks, thanks. You're, you're a, champion a champion too. We're all we're all truly champions. And and you know I think the the person who like wore that you know sweat the most and and uh, and those bruises the most is uh, our, our our little charge taker Kyle Lowry. Yeah. And he's been rewarded with some some are calling it a legacy contract. Some are calling it uh, just a good value contract as far as, you know, what you can do with it. Um, I think legacy contract is un an unfair thing to say to Kyle Lowry. I do not think that this is a legacy contract. Right. So so you think it's unfair to compare it to like what Kobe got and what Dirk got? Like, like, like Lowry still has too much to give. Is that kind of where you're coming from? Yeah, Lowry's amazing. He's incredible. And a year, it's like, if we gave him six years, that's a legacy contract. Because how mm -hmm. old is Lowry? He's like 33? Yeah. 33, yeah. Listen, I'm not like, – so I'm happy with it. Are we all happy with the Kyle Lowry contract? I'm I'm very happy with it because I think that it actually – I think the thing I'm most happy about is that we're spending a lot of money when we don't need that money. And 
we can actually give Kyle a real, uh, if you know, if we're both in agreement on this, a real legacy contract um, after the 31 expires. We can say, hey, you want three years or four years? You know, eight million a year or ten million a year. Like, we'll literally let you play till you retire, but yeah. you can't take up that much of a cap. So yeah. we made sure we got you a ton of money, but because you know he's not going to be worth thirty-one million dollars next no. year, um, and this year, you know, he's not going to be worth thirty-three million dollars. But I, I've said this on the pod a bunch of times. It's we're in this weird place in the NBA where it's, you're kind of overpaid or underpaid, but it doesn't really doesn't exactly reflect on how good you are as a player. Every contract that Masai gave anybody in the last five years is a good contract because we won a championship. There's no, there has been no bad contracts in the last five years. I mean, that's like, you know, when you were first saying that, I'm like, oh, that's a bit reductive. But it's actually not because if the end goal is to win a championship and he's able to sign contracts that he can later trade oh. or or make use of, then yeah, every single thing he did led to a championship. So, yeah, did he make a mistake? Not really, right? Yeah, it's like when uh, Andrew Wiggins got traded for Kevin Love. When they won the championship, it's like, well, there's nothing you can say because they won. Mm -hmm. Like, even if yeah. Kevin Love's terrible for the rest of his career, you still won the championship. Like, how, how many years does that buy you? I say at least five. Yeah, totally. And I think with, with Kyle, okay, we, uh, so, so since we, you know, very quickly agree that this is a good contract, Let's like jump to like some of the rumor stuff here. Now, did you hear anything about Kyle kind of threatening to hold out if he didn't get his contract? No, I didn't hear any of that. Is that is that substantial? Is that real? I can't tell. Um, a lot of the kind of like sources that I trust were talking about it like it was real, but they were also kind of talking about it like you know there isn't there isn't a quote that anyone. Right can really pull like agent Wojnarowski talked about it. Um, and Zach Zach and, uh, and, and Waj on, on their shared pod talked talked about you, this signing actually making Kyle more tradable. So that's something I think, you know, our first caller brought it up and I think it's really on people's minds. So do you see this signing as a, as a, as a piece that is going to help us uh, trade Kyle or is, for you are those separate things? No, I don't think Kyle's getting traded. I think uh, I think this is a very much, like what you said, like give Kyle this money. Because here's the thing, next year there's no free agents. Like if yeah. you look at all the unrestricted free agents, like the top 10, like five of them are Raptors. Mm -hmm. So I don't even mind if we sign, because after this year we're going to have to sign Pascal and we're going to have to sign um, Fred if yeah. we want. Because, but like, it's not like if we have this money next off season, we're going to be able to do anything with it because like, take a look. It's like Mon, uh, Harrell is a free agent. Like nobody is a, free, there's no one who we can grab and still be competitive. It's either like run it back again and have this fun team that in my opinion can t finish top four, top five in the East, or we just start tanking for no reason. So, so do you think that um, like Anthony Davis isn't going to give us a meeting? <laughs> I'm no, just kidding, but yeah, he's no. the guy. He's the uh, unrestricted guy, and yeah, then literally moved, it falls like, the off the world to go to L.A. and drain yeah, them of. It would be nuts if Anthony Davis doesn't stay in L.A. It would be insane. Even if he took meetings, that would be such a disrespect to L.A. Yeah, like, could you imagine? Yeah, he moved like heaven and earth. His agent's Rich Paul, and he's just like, 
I'm going to, you know, he takes meetings with like us, Phoenix. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, yeah, you're hundred percent right. And I think, um, I think uh, the, the number, you know, two unrestricted free agent was, was Kyle Lowry. And then I think it's like Gasol and Ibaka and Fred and, and obviously Pascal's restricted. So I think, I, I don't think Raptors fans need to worry about that. Um, I'm honestly, I, I wouldn't mind if we signed Mark for another year and signed Serge for another year. And, uh, you know, I don't know what to do with Fred Van Fleet. Like, I, I guess we'll learn this year what we'd like to do or where. He's Fred the trickiest stands. one, I think. Yeah. Um, and because I think when when you're paying Kyle that much next year, it's not a problem. But it could yeah. be a problem if, say, Fred is like, I want 15. Yeah. Then all of a sudden you're kind of like, oh, well do we think that Fred is a starting caliber point guard, you know, and, and maybe even better than that? Cause yeah. I think in today's NBA, you kind of need an all-star point guard, right? Like, yeah. Did you have a real chance? Like 15 yeah. of them. Exactly. Like there's so many, if you think about the amount of like wildly talented guards that don't make the, you know, Western conference all-star team every year. I think that you might look at a guy like Fred and say, you're awesome, but you need yeah. to be like twice as good as you are. Yeah. Um, if we're going to like, you know, use, like have you as a guy going forward. But um, I think we're, you know, me and you are, I think we're, we're pretty optimistic, but we're also rational Raptors fans that have suffered a lot. So we're, we're mostly in agreement with Raptors stuff, but yeah. uh, you want to rifle through some like NBA awards? I love it. Okay. <laughs> um Let's do, let's, let's do them all, baby. I got opinions let's on all, all? Okay. Oh my God. Okay. Let's do it. Woo. Let's, let's do some J.R. My God, Triple H. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, wh- what about MVP, Adam Christie? Who is the MVP of the 2019-2020 uh, season? Okay. So I did a little research on this because yeah. going into this podcast, I want all uh, uh, dunks heads out there to know. We were just going to talk about MVP. So if I'm a little rusty on the other ones, I think I have opinions on the other ones. But uh, we yeah. just did MD- MVP. And I wanted to say that my my favorite here well I'll, I'll start with the my favorite you, you you'll say favorite wait let me let me also say this you know just a, not a disclaimer but everyone knows the real calculation of this award is narrative yeah so you know if you want to say oh but this person's like better uh, in the in the crunch it's like we're talking narratives here yeah so yeah okay but my pick is very boring I'm saying uh, Giannis. Well, I really thought we'd have more debate because that is also my pick, Adam. But can I tell you my spicy pick? Sure. So I say Giannis because so, so I open this up of the odds for most valuable player. And if I'm mm-hmm. a betting man, I would not bet. I think it's going to be Giannis just because I think there's so many question marks. I think with Steph Curry, people saw how the Raptors guarded Steph Curry last year in the finals, and he's going to be double teamed all year. I think he's going to be crazy. Like, he's going to obviously mm-hmm. have, like, a fucking 60-point game and a 50-point game. Um, yeah. LeBron is up there. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think Anthony Davis stays healthy. You know, Harden is clogged up with Westbrook. Who knows what that's going to look like. Um, Embiid, I don't, I think is going to be on a minutes restriction, st- uh, like not minutes, right. but like ga- games, same with, uh, well, I think, yeah, like Sh- Sean Woodley of the, the locked on Raptors podcast, he kind of was the first person I heard say this, but is there a better candidate in the NBA for load management than Joel Embiid? Oh like, yeah. There can't be right. If you're Philly, you're like, 
play this guy like 40 games. Like we're yeah, trying to win the championship. It so doesn't good. matter. They're going to steamroll through the East. I think yeah. well, we'll, we'll, we might talk about this later. But I think if I'm a betting man, for God's sake, uh, the odds on Paul, so the two, four, six, eight, 12th favorite, the 10th and 12th favorite are Jokic and Paul George. Hmm. So Giannis is a plus 300, so you got to bet $100 to maybe win 300. But Jokic right. at plus 1,200 and Paul George at plus 1,600, I think it could be, but both of those could be interesting picks. Yeah, if Paul, I'm a betting man, which I'm not. Paul George, I think, I think I'm out on that one just because he's already said he's missing at least 10 games at the start of the season. So that's pretty big like well, cuz like you know when you're when we, like think about when we were calculating you know Harden versus Giannis last year like every game matters and i think if you're going to win the mvp you got to like the number seems like it's like 72 75 games yeah um so anyone doing any type of load management is going to be in in tough um, I think about that is I think people are going to forget about the beginning of the season, especially with the MVP, especially with right. the narrative. I think that's the only reason. Listen, I don't, I, 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 I wouldn't bet my life on Paul George, but what about, what about Jokic? Is that interesting to you? I, I think Jokic is for me. I think he's a fantastic pick. Like if you're doing it. Okay. Like I'll just say I'm Giannis because I don't think that he's done getting better. And I think that yes, George Hill is a downgrade from Malcolm Brogdon, but I also feel like the bucks are good enough to, approach 60 wins um and philly i think I, I think they're a little less suited for the regular season than the bucks and then i also feel like the west is just gonna be such a bloodbath i'd be shocked if anyone got more than like 53 wins so is, uh, I, is ad missing time do we know yet ad uh, apparently uh everything on his thumb came back negative see i i think he's like him him and sprained, LeBron, though, right? yeah, it's still sprained. And AD also misses time; like he just oh, yeah. missed his time. I, yeah. Like I think Steph and Harden are still there for me because I feel like Steph, if he could play seventy games, you know, might break the three point record. And narratively, I think people love him and they want him to do well. But so if Steph, if Golden State finishes the season worse than fourth in the West, do you think they give the MVP to somebody who's Yes, I, I I feel like if you're in the West and you want a shot at the MVP, I think you gotta be top two, top three teams. Yeah. Yeah. So even if you're like if you're like if you're the Clippers and you're fourth, like Kawhi and Paul George are like automatically out. Yeah. I think like if you're the Clippers or the Lakers, especially to be considered for MVP, you have to be first in the West. And right. the reason I think Houston could do that. That's it's kind of why I, I feel like there's still a chance with Harden. I think so too. I um, agree with you. But yeah, I, I'm kind of on the Giannis, Giannis train, and I feel like if I was like, yeah, like betting, I, I might be like Giannis, Jokic, Curry, Harden, some kind of, some kind of mixture there. But like, or or Siakam, because like, come on, come on. Um. Okay. We, Siakam, we spent some time on MVP, list. but I think we both prepped for that, right? So, who, who's your defensive player of the year? Defensive player of the year, I think. I, don't, I think it's go, probably Gobert. Another uh, boring one, unless I'm missing somebody. Unless Draymond Green plays out of his mind or something. Yeah, I think Gobert is like, you know, this. Uh, okay, using the same logic I would for Giannis, I would say Gobert 100%. But has he won it three times already? Twice? I feel like he might have voter fatigue. Yeah, um, maybe. 
but also they're going to be awesome on D. Uh, that's a tight one. I actually think, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for it. I'm going to say Joel Embiid is my defensive player of the year. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good call. Because I think he could, you know, do his load management thing and people could still, they could be doing the whole thing where it's like, but look at the on-off metrics and like, look at how good they were on defense with Joel and look how good they were without. Um, but yeah, go bear. Game seven of the uh, the divisional finals last year, how the, how good they are with Joel and being not on the floor. What was he, hey, two minutes yeah. and they were a minus uh, 10 points. That's why they lost. Yeah. Uh, Joel Embiid was like, it because it, it still blows my mind. Uh, you know, like having like rewatched all these series over and over and say like, oh, Butler, man, like Butler is the best. It's like Butler wasn't even in the same category as like an injured and sick Embiid. Yeah, like I, I honestly don't know what game you're watching. Like Butler hit some tough fadeaways. Yeah, and and I'm I'm not even trying to slag Butler. He's awesome. He's gonna have a big year, but mm-hmm. he's not like an MVP guy. M- Embiid is. Um, and, and like playing and beat on the court, I'm like, this guy is just outrageous. Like he could cover Siakam or he could just kind of do anything. He's incredible. Uh, Andy cares. He cried after they lost game seven. I love, I love that. Yeah. I love that so much. Um, yeah. okay. Uh, so Gobert and bead. What about most improved? This is kind of a fun one. Um, I'm going to go, I don't even know how to say his last name. Bam. Adebayo. Yeah, Bam Adebayo. Yeah, that that's a great I'm going, one. He, I'm going Bam Adebayo. That's a yeah, that's a fantastic pick because he full time center. Whiteside is out of the way. Yep, I think he's going to do it. He could average and, like three blocks or something crazy. And he's that perfect type of player who hasn't like arrived yet. Yeah. Um. Hmm. That's a really good one. Okay, I'm gonna say. I think I hate myself for saying this, but I'm going to say Jalen Brown. Because mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think there's going to be some unclogging uh, in Boston and there's going to be more, more defined roles. And I think the guys they have are going to do better, but I really already hate myself for saying that. So Why? You're, uh, listen, it's fine. You don't have to hate yourself. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, I'm back on track. You know what I mean? Okay, coach I mean, of the year. Who's who's the coach of the year? I think it's going to be Doc because uh, he didn't win last year. Oh, Doc's a good one. Doc's a good yeah. one. I will go with... Um, I really want uh, to say Brad Stevens just to make you uh, blow your yeah, gas. Brad Stevens to just like run full speed uh, off of my deck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say... Uh, the coach of the year goes to uh, sleeper coach Bobby Brown. Oh, wait, wait Bobby Brown? What's Brett his first Brown? name? Brett Brown. But wait, Bobby Brown. Yeah, it's it's not Bobby Brown. <laughs> no, it is Brett Brown, uh, coach of Philly. Yeah. I think that. Uh, yeah, if they finish with a really good record, Dave Yeager. You know, I think, it, or, or or Quinn Snyder is a good sleeper pick for Utah. Quinn Snyder would be good. Um. Uh, what about six man? Who's your six man? I don't even know. Yeah, this one's Lou hard. Williams. He wins every year, right? Yeah, yeah, Lou. Yeah, I know. Someone's gonna force Lou Will to like start a bit more. Um, I mean, it's got to be Vince Carter, right? <laughs> Maybe Terrence Ross. T- Terrence Ross is actually a great pick because he's quietly since the Raptors traded him to Orlando, just been 
you know, filling it up and doing what you're supposed to do as a shooter off the bench. And if there's anyone that people are sick of voter fatigue-wise, is Lou Williams. He's always in the goddamn mix for this. It's always boring. Who cares? Yeah. Um, is there, well, what awards are we missing? Oh, Executive of the Year Award. I don't know. Uh, the the Lakers executive or the Clippers executive? What's his it, name? Yeah, it's one of those two guys, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, did anyone else oh, get like a giant free agent? That rookie we're, of the not, year? Z- are we both saying Zion? I mean, it's got to be Zion. Like, I feel like I could be like, oh, you know, Wayne Seldon or something like that. But it's also... Okay, the okay. Here's my maybe, maybe, maybe rookie of the year. It's Rui Hachimura because I think that, you know, even with Beal there, he's going to get a lot of opportunity. And then when they trade Beal, they're going to be like, "We literally have no one. Can you please show us something, sir?" Who's um, their center that everyone's excited about? The Wizards. Uh, is it is it Thomas Bryant? Oh yeah, I think it's Thomas Bryant. Yeah, um, oh, that team's going to be so bad. Wizards are a truly dreadful roster. Who is your NBA Finals pick? Ooh, Who is Freddie Revis's East and West and winner in the NBA Finals? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a Homer one and then like an actual one. Okay. So Homer one is Raptors versus Rockets. Yep. Um, non Homer one is uh, Philly versus Rockets. Philly Rockets. I'm going rematch. Kawhi Embiid. Oh, that's a really good pick. I thought you were going to say Raptors Golden State. I was going to be like, no. oh, shit. No, Philly Clippers, and I think Philly wins the title. Yeah, I know. Like, I, I have a feeling that um, we're all going to be kind of like talking a lot about when and how did the process end or did it not, and is this a success? Because uh, it's kind of interesting when you think about like, when they started the process, like all the different things they've been through. I mean, this is a longer conversation, but, but, uh, if they, if they win it, if Embiid wins a championship and his nicknames, the process, I think someone's going to like give Hanky a duffel bag of gold, right? <laughs> of gold. <laughs> um, okay, well, what's, your, what's your, what's your hottest take before, before we go? What's your hottest, Ooh, that's uh, a good one. Unpopular take of this year. Ooh, that's okay. So uh, far, uh, I'm trying not to be a hater. Okay. But so far, I feel like it's the hottest take just because I'm hearing, like, just I'm not hearing this opinion. Um, and that's that the Clippers role players aren't good. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think I must be wrong because it seems like everyone disagrees with me. But I think Lou and, and Beverly are both one-dimensional. I think Zubach and Harrell are borderline starters. I think Jamichael Green is, you know, wouldn't crack our rotation for the Raptors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, a guy like Mo Harkless is also, like, a borderline NBA player. So Shamit I like. Um, I, I like a lot of the machinations they have. And, and Paul George Kawhi, is obviously, you know, as top as, you know, basically as top heavy as it gets. And that's like elite, elite perimeter defense. But I think when they hit the playoffs, um, a guy like Jokic is going to destroy them. And I think that a guy like Anthony Davis is going to look at Harrell and Zubac and he's going to be like, I'm going for 40 tonight. Oh, he's going to feast on Zubac. Zubac is a guy who like 
I think is a, only it's like Lakers bait. It's like because see, he was like, right? like drafted in the second round by the Lakers. Yes. He's like, oh, he's good. It's like who right? cares about what? Like what? See, Why that's hyped up of a Zubach. That's my hot take. Everyone's like, oh, Zubach. It's like I think he's not as good as Hurdle. No, like no. What, what are you trying to make so. me smoke? I mean, he's young. Is he? Is he? Did he bulk up? Because he was always way too skinny. I mean, again, like there's no real problem with Zubach. It's just that he has a cool I, name. If, if his name was Ivan Smith, no one would give a fuck. But he's Zubach, and that's a cool name. And I think people yeah. want uh, people want to buy in on Zubach. Ivaka Zubach averaged. Uh, he averages five points on his career. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no. So what's last his, year he his, was. Uh, oh. I'm looking at it now. He's uh, nine and a half points, five rebounds in um, in 20 minutes a game. Great. So, you know, he averaged, he averaged a block a game. That's pretty average. Like, he's no, uh, like, sorry, well, what did he average? Like, points? No, 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 I said that's pretty average. That's like... Yeah, exactly. It's pretty average. And, I, you know, again, like, I, I don't want to be a hater. And I think Kawhi is, like, just a ridiculous special player. Um, that I'm never going to doubt, but I do think that, uh, yeah, there's also a lot of talk about how, how, you know, you're just kind of plugging Paul and Kawhi into this like ready-made team. And I don't want to be all dunked on here, but they overperformed more than any other team last year. Oh, damn. Their point differential. And, uh, you know, it was a big part of that. Gallinari and Tobias Harris. Like, I don't want to be all dunked on here, but let's start this podcast again in the middle of a conversation, and you don't know if they know that the mics are on or not. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out uh, to Dunked on Podcast. But no, I think. Wait, I mean, what's I'm your not hot that, take? What? Oh well. What's I, your hot take? Right, I could see. I could see hating the Clippers. I do think Beverly's great. I think Lou Williams is great. I think Harold's great. I think they're going to be fine, and I think they could go to the to finals. My uh-huh. hot take. Lakers are not making the playoffs. They're not going to make the playoffs. It's going to be a disaster. Playoffs? They're not making it. Wow. If one of those guys get injured, that team is not a 500 team. That team's trash. Dwight Howard plays for the Lakers. Dwight Howard might. Dwight Howard and Rajon Rondo might start (laughs) for the Los Angeles Lakers. I will say they need to jettison Rondo if they're going to be competitive. Who's Um, their backup? That. That white guy. I think that I think they have like a uh, heart. Um, so, who's the Lakers starting five? Okay, so say if Anthony Davis is injured, is there starting five? Rajon Rondo, Danny Green, Kyle Kuzma, LeBron James, and Javale or Howard? White yeah. Howard or Javale McGee? Is that a yeah. five hundred team? Freddie Rivas. Does that team? If that's your team, are you winning uh, forty two games, forty one games? Uh, no, no, you're not. The only thing I'll say about that though, is like, what type of LeBron are we getting? And do LeBron and AD get injured at the same time? Oh, that's going to be a nightmare. And I think it's going to happen. Like this is all betting list. Listen, if they both play like 70 games, sure. They're going to make the playoffs, but AD's already injured. AD, like how many games I'm looking this up. How many games has AD played in the last like five years? Davis. I think the year before last, he had like a like a 70, 70 game season or something like that. But he's generally it's weird. He has no structural damage, but he gets a lot of like nicks and knacks that legitimately keep him out for a while. So, um, um, 
Anthony Davis has played 70 or more games twice in his uh, seven-year career. Right. Last year, he played 56 games. And a lot of that was due to he did, just didn't want to play anymore. But I don't know. And LeBron doesn't really play defense anymore. LeBron is 34. Just, 34. just as a counter for you, you yeah. know, do you think perhaps he'd be, he'll be able to play more if he's expected to do less? LeBron? No, uh, AD. I don't think he can do less. I think I think this team they need to be like playing their hearts out to keep their team in the game because when they're on the bench, Alex Caruso's running the offense. This team's terrible. Okay, and I'm just gonna throw in a little hot take to your hot take, and it's only I love because, it. It's only because of one preseason um, highlight package I saw this morning, but they Maybe have it's Ca- Caldwell Pope. Go go ahead. They have Costas Antetokounmpo. He's 21 and he looked great. In one, it's one preseason game. I mean, sure. Yeah, I know. It's it's. But nothing, he's the but, same, like Bruno has the same body as those guys. Like maybe a little bit smaller, but you know. Yeah, and and for you, does it not does it not help at all that Alex Caruso is Balky from Perfect Strangers? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does matter to me. <laughs> oh man. Um. Well, I think that's a good place to end it, dude. Um, I love it. Hot take: Lakers hey. are making the playoffs. Hey, congratulations on Sirius. This is oh this God, is thanks, Freddie. Congrats, God, man. Good lord, guys. Listen, I'll I'll promote this on my Twitter and I'll throw out there's as SiriusXM has been so you know has so nice after the thing and they're they're doing a 14 day trial. You could go listen to sports po- uh, radio and uh, JFL Canada, which supports Canadian comedy and puts our albums up. So you know, and, and I, what, you know, what's I your? Got, album? I'm, I'm a company Adam. man. Adam, what's that? What's your album so everyone can go listen to it? My What's called, your album so everyone can go listen to it and download my it? My album is called General Anxiety Disorder. It is on all the... It's on CD Baby. If you go to CD Baby, that's the that's the thing I make the most money on if you want to buy the album. It's also on iTunes Ooh. and the other oh, yeah. Google Play. Ooh. I thought for a second you were trying to tell us like, like you can have it in CD form you if you want. CD form. <laughs> Jewel case. A disgusting jewel case Listen, that will break in your hands. Do you have a Walkman? That's perfect. Because this is the album for you. Remember jewel um, case like towers? Like people, oh, like yeah. their towers of CDs? I have seen those, yeah. That's what Matt's basement looks like in Newmarket. Does it? <laughs> Matt, I feel like you had a lot of CDs and maybe a CD tower. I did, right yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely had a tower. I had like a couple different uh, options too for those towers. So, you know, I Ooh, yeah. like the low rise, the, re- the, yeah, the, the, the ones that are like more horizontal. And then you got, yeah, you got the ones that are more vertical. Uh, Do yourself a favor and just Google CD tower. If you're listening to this and just, Throw up on the goddamn streets. CD towers are disgusting. CD, yeah. Jewel case CDs are disgusting. They're the worst <laughs> format of anything that's ever happened. Fuck you, Jewel. CDs. Wait, at the Rebus household, we yep. used to have one of those like five CDs at a time, and it was like a changer. Oh yeah. And and then it would get those broken cool. and just spin around real fast. <laughs> like and you'd be like, it won't play Limp Biscuit, mom. <laughs> Um, okay well uh, I think we better move to our next caller but uh, God bless you sorry if I took up too much time I've been calling from Sum 41 and you're listening to Confederacy of (laughs) Dunn with (laughs) Freddie and Freddie R oh yeah baby (laughs) NBA
Okay, how's it going? We are back, uh, and I believe it's his second time on the podcast. Um, he's a writer and producer for CBC. Give it up at home for Derek Deonering. How's it going, buddy? It's good, man. Thank you for having me. It's second time. I appreciate it. Oh, man. I, I just, the first question I got to ask is, did I mess up the pronunciation of your name? No. Like, okay. No. You were <laughs> actually spot on this time, shockingly. I, I was actually <laughs> expecting you guys to call me Kevin. So the fact that you didn't uh, is, is a big bonus in my books. I'm like, I'm probably like way too proud of myself right now. <laughs> but like, I was going to read the name as I said it, but I'm like, you know what? It's phonetic, Freddie. You made a it mistake. Is. It is, yes. You made a mistake a couple months ago. <laughs> everything's going to be okay. Um, well, you, you nailed it. You nailed it. How you doing, man? Is everything going well? I'm good, man. Just busy. You know, the we've got an election coming up, so uh, yep. a lot of important decisions, a lot of important news to cover. Uh, so I've just been busy grinding with that. And, uh, you know, of course, a message to anybody listening out there, please go out and vote. Even if you don't like the options, you can cast that as well. So, uh, That's you right. Know, the, the, you have a choice. You have the freedom. You have the ability and the right to do that uh, legally in this country. So you should absolutely exercise that right. Hundred percent. I um. I don't think I've missed an election, even municipally, uh, since I was uh, eligible. Uh, I think nice. I was I was traveling when I was eighteen, and I think I missed a mayoral election, but that was a long time ago. That might have been, who knows? But um. Yeah, it's it's very important. It's very easy as well. I already did. I live in the the Parkdale High Park riding, and um, and there's a lot of good candidates to choose from here. Um, uh, I, I, I guess I guess I'll tell I'll tell the listeners who I voted for. I voted for NDP's uh, Paul Taylor. Uh, I think he's a really good candidate, and uh, I'm I'm really excited uh, for him to represent uh, Parkdale High Park. And 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 I voted in the advance polling. So uh, I'm not sure if that's eligible anymore, but it's it's really easy to vote. It's very short as well. And also you feel kind of like uh, patriotic and cool, or at least I do. Mm. Maybe I'm a nerd. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, but go out there and vote, people. Yeah, you got to vote. Come on. Uh, should we start talking some basketball or what? Yes, yes, absolutely. Let's get into it. Okay, so uh, you know, there's a lot of new faces for the uh, for the Raptors. There's going to be all sorts of kind of like rotation battles going on this year, but um, we've seen three games now uh, in the preseason. Or if you're like a super super hardcore fan, you watch like some of their scrimmages in <laughs> scrimmages in Laval, uh, Quebec. Uh, if you did that, you're probably a basketball writer. So hello, <laughs> um, but. Uh, no, yeah. What's your? I, I guess what's your takeaway on uh, on some of the new faces? Um, here, I'll, I'll I'll just grab one for you, uh, Derek. What's yeah. your uh, What's your thoughts on uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson so far? Um, I've been a little bit neutral on him. I'm not super high, but I'm not super low. Uh, only because I feel like I mean, one as anybody will tell you, this is such a small, small sample size to look yeah. at with, with Rondé Hollis, with this team. And, you know, we have to be mindful of the fact that he's coming over from Brooklyn. He is an entirely new cast, an entirely new position, uh, entirely new coach, new country. 
uh, everything. And that's going to take some time to, to get used to um, because he's not a guy that like a Kawhi or, or a Danny Green where you can literally just plug and play. Um, he's right. still raw. He still needs time to develop. Um, so, I, I, you know, it's it, it was good to see him get some touches out there and get some run with the guys and, you know, play a little bit with Pascal and play a little bit with Fred and then also play, you know, with some of the bench guys as well and, you know, get some run with, you know, the Stanley Johnsons and Cameron Payne's of the world who are also <laughs> – you know, in the same boat that he's in uh, currently, where they're all kind of, you know, learning a new system, trying to figure things out and see mm-hmm. if they fit, uh, you know, on this Raptors squad uh, as they try to defend uh, an NBA title. Yeah, Rondé's looked, uh, you know, he's definitely has, a, you know, the energy guy feel. Um, and, you know, I've heard a lot of talk about, uh, you know, how poor of a three-point shooter he is, which is definitely relevant in today's game. But I think fans really should be thinking about Rondé as as a guy who plays bigger than he is. Yes, um, yes. You know, he, I think he'll be playing a lot at power forward. Um, or if he's playing at the three, I think, you know, Nurse will, will, you know, would do well to make sure that we have shooters at the four and the five. Or, you know, shooting on the court to surround him. Yeah. Uh, I think it is relevant that he's not a good shooter from three. Because I th- there's quite a bit of those guys uh, on the roster this year, but he creates. He's out there and he's going to make stuff happen, and he's a pretty tenacious defender. So I yeah. think he's he's I, I think, okay. He'll be a plus on the court. Yeah, I think I think he he'll help. I think the biggest thing for him and and I, what I'd like to see as they move forward, because I actually think he's got the highest potential out of the three wings that we've you know picked up this summer uh between you know ronde stanley johnson and and uh, cameron Payne, i actually think he'll probably be the best out of Mm -hmm. three um and i think you know part of that is age and skill and tenacity and and like some of the intangible things but i think also you know at the end of the day he he's a guy that just gets after it right like i mean when you look at uh, a guy like stanley johnson or cameron Payne, they've never been known as guys who get after like stanley uh, you know on the defensive end but i just think monday is just he's got a bit of dog in him uh that you love to see it you love mm-hmm. to see in, yes. in, in our guys when especially when you're looking at you know younger guys who are trying to strap their way into finding a role uh you know on a championship team or even on a playoff team uh for that matter and, and so I think I think he's he's going to be a scrappy player. I think he's going to hustle. He's going to fight. Um, you know, will it translate to a ton of points on the stat sheet? No, but will his plus or minus be good or bad? I think that's where you'll see it. And it's the little things. You know, maybe it's a deflection that he doesn't get the steal, but he helps lead to the steal. You know, the steal. Or maybe he does a maybe he gets like the hockey assist or something along those lines. He's he's not going right. to be the guy that's finishing everything for you but i think he can clean up a couple things on the glass and you know if he can get his his transition game down and learn how to finish you know more consistently in transition i think he'll be solid he's got a little bit of dog in him i think is like the best like intro to ronde hollis jefferson Uh, you know and is he is he you know i'm just kind of throwing this out there is there any chance he becomes like a you know one of the JYDs, like what, like, is he a junkyard dog eligible? Cause like, I know Damari Carroll is like, I'm the junkyard dog as well. And everyone's like, are you? I don't, yeah, really I, don't so. I don't know. I don't know if Damari really was. I think, I don't think he was like, I he don't, I don't play like that. He didn't play like that, but I do think Rondé could be, I actually, I think in a best case scenario right now for the Raptors, like 
if he could develop, and this is going to be a little bit of a throwback for, for people who've been following the team for a long time, but if he could develop into a Keon Clark type of player. Oh, man. Like that somebody that's just really tenacious, long, gets after it. He's not going to give you like 20 a game. Maybe he'll give you 10 or 12, but, you know, if he ends up in a good role and he can flourish into, you know, just channeling that tenacity and that defense and that, that fight into, you know, a couple elbow jumpers here and there, a couple scrappy rebounds here and mm-hmm. there, and then getting his hands on, you know, defenders in the ball when they're going up, I think he'll be solid. I think that's like what I, I'd love to see him become and obviously something greater too but you know if that ends up being a role that he plays that's not a bad role for the raptors at all uh it's his fifth year he's going into his age uh uh 25 season it looks like um and by the way if you're if you're curious about keon clark just do yourself a favor and like you know youtube like keon clark dunks it on guys soul or dunks it on guys (laughs) because he has some major cramps like he he definitely was one of those guys where sometimes he'd be like oh he's not doing much and then out of nowhere he would just have the most the nastiest jam over somebody's head yep. and it was yep. wonderful okay let's move on to uh let's move on to stanley johnson because he's a pretty big acquisition he's a high draft pick i think there's a lot of expectations and i'll just throw this out here uh, i mean uh you know me and simon talked a little bit about this when we were ranking the, the top 10 raptors this season so yeah. uh or like who, who were projecting but stanley has disappointed me like I, I understand like i wasn't expecting him to come over and be a shooter and like you said the sample size is preposterously small but i just don't really see his route to being like a key contributor on this team i, um, I agree I at agree. this point at this point yeah yeah, just because we, we got a lot of guys like McCaw, Jefferson. There's a lot of really good kind of, you know, defensive energy guys. And I mean, if Stanley isn't going to make good decisions out there, I'm not sure. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of feel for him because he kind of had a little bit of a rough go in Detroit and then, you know, has been bounced around and, and ends up here and is looking for a fresh start. And I think. I actually, I trust in the Raptors' developmental team, and I trust in their trainers and their staff and the coaching. I do think that he can develop into something credible and quality for this Raptors team, but uh, I think he needs to spend some time in the 905. I, I just, I don't see it on the NBA level right now. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I've been disappointed as well in how he's looked so far, and I know it's not mm-hmm. fair, but you know, when you have guys like. Terrence Davis outperforming you. Uh, I think that kind of speaks volumes to where your game or your head is at right now. And, you know, perhaps it's just a matter of, you know, maybe it's a confidence thing. Maybe it's just getting on a roll and, 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 you know, getting some wins and some games in the G league under him where he feels like I can do Mm -hmm. this. I can play at the NBA level because I'm destroying these G league guys and I need to just fight my way back into the roster. But right now I, I don't see him, in Nick Nurse's like nine man rotation. Like I I just can't see him getting any meaningful minutes. Uh especially not when, yeah, when you have Rondé there who's at least it, maybe he hasn't played the, what we think he could, but he hasn't been as disappointing as Stanley Johnson. I think so. And in you know, OG is also looking pretty good, which is kind of like it doesn't really look like OG is I thought maybe it would be like a like a competition with these guys, but it seems like OG is a is a mm-hmm. cut above. 
Um, so, you know, I think he's a cemented guy in the rotation and, and yeah, just, uh, just to move on to the last kind of like new acquisition yep. guy. Um, well, you know, I guess we could talk about Isaiah Taylor, but I feel like Isaiah Taylor is like meant for the yeah, G League. Yeah. Like, you know, he, he's, he's, his trajectory is a, you know, it's a couple year trajectory mm-hmm. and that's okay. But Cameron Payne and okay. I, you know, I, I'm not, a, I think you have to be so talented to make any NBA roster. So that's my caveat. Yeah. But to I, me, I'm like, I, I don't even see, I don't see any route for this guy even being on the team. Yeah. It, is that, it's, is that too harsh? Uh, I don't, it's harsh. I think it's, it's fair. I think um, it's, it's, you're pretty spot on. I, I don't know where he would fit. Like if I don't really know where Stanley fits, I don't know how Cameron fits into that either. Like it, 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 it it just, there's too many moving pieces and too many people that are quality players that are just as good, if not better from a raw talent perspective, but also work harder or better or smarter than Cameron Payne. And I don't know, again, he's a guy that I also think would, would benefit from going to the G league. I think he's worked on his shot and, and shockingly from, seeing uh you know some of some of the scrimmaging uh in laval and, and seeing some of his uh you know games in the summertime from obviously the rico hines uh workouts that they did with, as a team he looks all right like i think he can hit a an open shot if you had him there but the mechanics don't look great um it just feels like he's a step behind on everything and he he still he, he still feels like a guy who is still playing college basketball at the NBA level and hasn't caught up to the speed at all or, you know, has adjusted the way that you would hope that he would. Um, and, you know, look, if he, if he can't find meaningful minutes on an OKC team with, you know, depleted uh, rosters that were filled with injuries and Russell Westbrook who's averaging a triple-double, I mm-hmm. don't know how much better you can do in Toronto, you know, with the likes of, Pascal and Kyle and Fred and Norm and OG and Serge and Mark, like where the other five spots, like where would he exist on that? And even if he does, I don't think he sees the floor really at all. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it always feels like, you know, you're like, you're, it's like, stop, stop. He's already dead. When, when yeah. a player has like been in the league a couple of years and it seems yeah. like they kind of can't cut it, but I think it's just, it's that elite and it's that hard yeah. and he hasn't really, you know, shown enough. And I think, you know, you've mentioned the G League twice now, and I think this, it's, it's kind of going to be more integral to this year than I think it's even been in previous years. And, and, and that's wild to me knowing, you know, we've produced like, uh, you know, defensive players of the years, we've won championships in the G League. But I think this year, if we're running the same system we as the, you know, the big club and the small club are running the same system, you're really going to have about four, you know, four to six guys on the G League team who have a real chance of being a meaningful, you know, player on, on, on the big squad. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think there's quite a few guys that can see G League time, you know, that, that are going to be under contract from, from the big club and also be able to have like a meaning, meaningful role if they kind of like demonstrate that. Because even yeah. a guy like Malcolm Miller, he's been good at the G League. Like he deserves a shot. Yeah, um, yeah. and then you, you look at guys team. like Chris Boucher who was the exactly. MVP. You know, yeah, and it's and, like, and the defensive guy, uh, the player, player of the year as well. He won yeah. both awards last year. So, yeah, yeah. 
Um, so wait, wait, who else is new? I, I, I think let's just like, uh, let, let's jump to the most exciting guy, like Terrence Davis, right? Like, yes, let's, yes. Uh, let's not get carried away here, but this guy is like a for real and B, you know, pretty exciting, right? Yeah. I mean, look on, I'm, I'm of two minds here on one hand, you know, he's still a low draft pick. So expectations should still be set very low. Actually, sorry. He's not even a draft pick. My, my apologies. He didn't even get drafted. Yeah. So uh, your expectations should be set fairly low. Uh, oftentimes, you know, there are always diamonds in the rough and the Raptors happen to always seem to find them. But I would still set expectations low because if you Bruno the, the whole situation and, you know, try to push somebody who's clearly a little too green but has a lot of raw talent and skill, they're just not going to develop in the way that you want them to um, because you can't force – experience you can't it's something that has to come and it'll only come with time and i think you know terrence davis is promising but i would say let's keep expectations low um especially looking at the logistics of this raptors squad and who he might be playing behind um because size wise he's a little bit of a tweener you know i i Mm -hmm. he's a little too he's 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 a good sized point guard like a great size point guard uh and an all right sized shooting guard but that's about it um, and I think he's got like an NBA level shot. I think, uh, I love his aggressiveness, mm-hmm. uh, because he, he's not afraid to attack. He's not afraid of big moments. He's not afraid of playing, you know, whether it's in Japan or a regular preseason game here, like clearly that, that spotlight doesn't bother him in any way. I just think he, he lacks the experience. He's, he's, he rushes things a little bit. But there's a lot to be excited about there. And, you know, beyond just catching a body uh, out there on the Houston Rockets. Oh, that was so good. um, You know, uh, he's still a kid, and we have to give him time. And and I think there's some some potential there. Like, he could be a really, really good role player. Um, And the fact that he has an NBA-level shot already is, is very good for him. Uh, and trying to possibly crack the rotation. Uh, his aggressiveness is great. I, I think he can – we don't know what he is defensively. But I don't think he's great. I don't think he's bad either. I think he's an average defender. Um, and, and I think it's just a lot of things A lot of things that will get cleaned up with time and experience. Uh, like, you know, little things like rushing pick and rolls yeah. or, you know, uh, things that you might chalk up to first game jitters. I think, you know, he, I, I, don't, I don't know if I see him as an NBA caliber – point guard but i could see him as a, a you know a, a, a significant backup role player down the line if he continues to develop the way that he is and, and learns some skills and really works on his craft over the years yeah and no, i think i think you basically nailed it with uh with the description of uh terrence davis because we are excited but we do have to kind of remain patient and i i think uh for me, I you know, even right off the bat, all of the Fred comparisons are tough because Fred's, you know, rise was very specific and it also took a couple years. Like Fred, you know, last year wasn't his first year on the team. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. and and Terrence Davis, like, yeah, he he's kind of betting on himself, but I also think as a player he's different. Like he's quite a bit bigger than Fred. Oh so yeah, I, absolutely, I, yeah. I think, you know, I'm, I'm with you on, you know, I see more kind of offense than defense with him. And defense is usually a thing where, yeah, you can be kind of like a dogged defender, but you, but it, it takes a lot of IQ. So it might take a little while, but I'm seeing more of like a, and obviously this is like, you know, a flattering comparison, but I'm seeing more like Marcus Smart 
um, in Terrence Davis than I am necessarily Fred. I don't think he's like a, he doesn't seem like he's, like he, he wants to, to shoot threes constantly. He seems like he's a really kind of like, you know, feels the game out type guy. Yeah. And he yeah. uses his size and strength. So, yeah, I think both of the, both of them are very much like a, you know, bet on yourself, uh, guys, but, just because you have a chip on the shoulder doesn't mean it's the same one. So exactly. I think they're, they're, they they well may be from cut from the same cloth, but the chips on Fred's shoulder versus Terrence's are very different, uh, especially for Fred, who is already a small guy, but is undersized for a small guy. You know, he's 5'10", 5'11", on a good day. Uh, there are yeah. We probably have friends that are taller than that that we play pickup basketball with. <laughs> we um, do, yeah. But, but aren't nearly as capable or skilled – as Fred is. Um, so for Fred, it's a lot of, you know, overcoming, you know, this David versus Goliath situation. Whereas I think for Terrence, uh, you know, he's looking more of it as like, well, there's a large mountain in front of me and I'm going to have to go climb it. Um, and I think, uh, you know, they're, they're both again, solid guys. And I think Fred is exactly the type of player that should be around Terrence Davis. Cause I think only good things will come of that. Yeah. Um, okay. Two, two more guys here, and and let me just say, because uh, I, I love when people talk about like the like like NBA size versus who you're playing pickup. Because yeah, just a reminder of how hard it is to be in the NBA. I am all of the same characteristics of Kyle Lowry. Same age, <laughs> same height, and same weight. Um, and none of <laughs> like it it ends like everything. All the similarities end immediately after that. Uh, muscle, you know what I mean? Like abilities, experience, basically everything. But yeah, it's, it's tough to be in the NBA and it's not, it's definitely not just about size. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I, I would get, yeah, I think Kyle would, you know, he would eviscerate me in ways I didn't even know were possible. Uh, if we ever played basketball together, <laughs> probably. Yeah. Um, but okay. Yeah. So two more guys let's yeah. do, well, I mean, I don't know. Do you, do you have anything? Or I guess, you know, have, have you noticed anything about uh, doing Hernandez? Uh, not really. I mean, again, much like Terrence Davis, like, keep your expectations low. He was a late yeah. draft pick, and he was redshirted the day the year before uh, he because of injury. So it, it's tough. You don't know what you're getting. He seems very raw. He's got good hands for a big man, which I'll give him that, um, and good size as well. But it's way too early to you know, see what he might become. I think he, he's a guy who will really benefit from being in the G league. Um, and, and same thing with, you know, uh, Matt Thomas, like, look, mm-hmm. I, I love the fact that everyone, you know, is on the, uh, the Alex Wong, uh, 99.9 or 99.8%, uh, you know, it's three point shooting range. Uh, but I, I don't see it with him. I think he's a good shooter. And I love that he practices his shots as if every shot were, you know, in-game mechanics. So the speed, the the cutting off the pick and rolls, yeah. um, the hedging. Like, I love seeing him practice those things because that's exactly what he'd be used for in-game. Um, but, yeah, defensively, he's not that great. Uh, I, I mean, he was getting killed by John Lucas the third at Rico Hines' pickup. Uh, so that should tell you <laughs> something. And John Lucas is like 5'9". Uh, most people know him for LeBron jumping over him to catch Bob when he was on the heat. Um, and that's about it. Uh, so if he's getting killed by that point guard, I can't see him doing very well against a lot of other, uh, NBA level point guards, uh, or backups for that matter. Uh, but he can shoot the lights out, which is amazing. And that is key. You know, when you're looking at the end of your bench and you're looking for some, you know, uh, quick offense, some microwave, 
uh, offense where you can get a quick, you know, six or nine points off of, you know, a couple corner threes from this guy. I think that's what he is. He's not Danny Green, so don't expect to see that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, he's more like uh, an NBA level refined Brady Heslip. If you follow Ooh. Canada basketball, like that's that. essentially what Matt Thomas is. He's a really, really good three point shooter. You trust him a little bit to handle the ball here and there, can make good reads as, as a smart guy, but is very much uh, a one-dimensional player at this moment. And that's not to say that he won't develop into something more. Uh, but but right now, I think that's my comparison is, uh, oddly enough, to a guy who's not in the NBA, which is Brady Heslip, um, who's a great shooter, solid for Canada basketball, mm-hmm. uh, but still has a little bit of ways to go. Yeah, I've been pretty impressed with... Uh... With Matt Thomas's composure, he definitely seems like one of those guys where, you know, if his initial action is taken away, he's he's fairly calm. But again, yeah, well, once it once the NBA season starts and it's really like every defender is that much taller, that much stronger, that much more ferocious, the speed of the game is huge. You really have to kind of carve out um, carve out your own area. And I think that um you know, if he was on some, you know, some team, like if he had a Capono scenario where it was like Shaq and Waiter creating this much space that you're actually wide open, um, you'll probably be okay. But I think, on, uh, you know, with this Raptors team, you're going to need a lot of multi-talented people. So I I think he'll have to he'll have to really kind of acclimatize to the speed of the game and, and not get destroyed on defense. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, I think I feel like that's good for the for the Raptors new guys. Um, let's uh, let's touch base on a couple other things here. So, uh, how are you feeling? Let's let's jump over to, to Kyle Lowry. Now we we covered the extension a little bit uh, earlier in the in the episode, but um, yeah, is it is are you are you pretty high on the extension? Are you kind of like you not into it or? Uh, no, I like it. I, I think it was a good extension. I think it makes him uh, more tradable. Um, if we wanted to go that route. Um, but I also think that it, it's continuity, right? Like it's, he is, as I said it best, he is the engine uh, that runs this team. And and that's not to say that Fred isn't capable, because I think this is totally Fred's role to take at some point, um, especially if Kyle ends up being moved. Um, but I, I like it. I think you, you reward Kyle for, you know, the seven years that he's spent here, the fact that he's re-upped twice, now, technically, I guess three times at this point. Um, and, you know, you reward him for his loyalty. And I think, look, like, if it, was, if it wasn't going to be DeMar, then it had to be Kyle. Um, and I, I'm, I'm more than happy with paying him that money for an extra year uh, on his contract. And if we move him, great. If we keep him, great. Uh, I think it's a win-win for Masai. I think, you know, at the end of the day, Masai is looking at this thing like 3D chess and a lot yeah. of us just look at it like it's checkers. And there are more moves that may come, whether that's this season or next season or in the off season. We'll have to wait and see. But I think it's a win-win for everyone. Kyle's happy. He gets paid. He gets rewarded for the things that he's done, um, which has helped deliver a championship to this city and to this country. Um, but also keeping in mind that, look, you know, we can move you to a contender if, if we choose to, if, if you want to, um, and we'll still be able to get valuable assets back for you. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think we, we we covered this a little bit, and I I basically agree. You're, you're echoing our other guests as well, and it's it's pretty much a win 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 because that's how Masai rolls. But yeah, like, and I I think the thing I want to you know emphasize the most of what of your uh, 
of your opinion there is that is the continuity. And I think that this is going to be a year where people really um, kind of like, you know, the, the Raptors team last year, it's funny to me that people don't really think there was continuity there because that was such a big part of our success. And, um, you know, like whether it's Serge and Kyle just having like such perfect chemistry or, you know, Lowry being the first person to discover that it's like, Hey, just look up because Pascal is running. Um, and just those types of things. I think he imparts all of that uh, and he just makes everyone around him better. And I don't, I don't, I mean, I can't really follow any logic, uh, that with folks who say that, um, you know, they don't want that with our team. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me to, to throw away a guy that's this good. Um, unless you get something better in return. And I, I mean, if it's a pick, if you're really interested in trading Kyle for a pick, I think you should be thinking like top five, um, and I don't think that's going to happen. So for me, it's like I, I want Kyle t- to retire as a Raptor, and I don't want to see him in another jersey. Uh, that, that's kind of where I'm at. I would love to see him retire as a Raptor um, and then see that starting role go to go to Fred. Uh, I think that he's earned it, he's deserved it, and having Kyle be a, you know, uh, essentially a, an equivalent to a lifer uh, in a Raptors uniform is – you know, the, the perfect fairy tale ending. Obviously, all good things come to an end at some point, and maybe we won't get that ending, but I would love to see that. Um, you know, I'm not saying give him a Kobe-type contract where you're clearly like, this guy's on his last legs, you know, but we're going to overpay him anyways. I think this was that one-year overpay, and, you know, perhaps he's m- maybe more willing to take a backseat in a couple summers from now when Masai's freeing up the money to sign a guy like Giannis, possibly. Who knows? Okay, let's uh, let's hit up one last little topic here because um, you had brought up earlier kind of like load management league-wide. Uh, and this is something I'm like just so, so fascinated in, like, you know, from a player empowerment perspective um, to just like how, how a, a body works in the NBA and what we expect of our athletes, especially when you have sports like baseball where it's like, oh, yeah, the pitcher plays once a week. What are you mad and and then you go to basketball, it's like, well, I expect LeBron to play every single night 40 minutes. And it's kind of like, I, I think this year might be an interesting referendum on, you know, on that sort of thing. So so I hope I didn't, you know, color this question too much with my own opinion. But where we are, where, where are you or what are you interested about uh, as far as it comes to um, load management? I mean, for me, I'm looking at load management um, through multiple perspectives. So I think it's, looking at it in the sense of what this could mean for more teams down the line. So with the season coming up, are more teams going to take that approach? Are more teams going to start, you know, scratching healthy guys? Because let, let's face it, like Kawhi's situation was specific to Kawhi. So right. it works for him, right? Because he was dealing with health issues. He was coming off a season where he basically didn't play. And so the load management made complete sense for him. Right. However, our team's going to start doing that now where they're like, look, you know, we, we want to save LeBron for the playoffs. We've got AD. We've got a bunch of young guys. How about we just get the best of LeBron for 65 games instead of 82, right? And, and, and our player's going to start putting that into contracts, especially when you look at what's coming down the line with a lot of these guys. You know, I, I worry that 
you know, people could use the the argument that, you know, hey, our guy's aging, you know, a la, you know, San Antonio Spurs with Tim Duncan mm-hmm. and Tony and Manu, and we're just going to load manage them so that they're ready for the, you know, prime time when it counts in the playoffs. And so fans kind of get, you know, a little bit gypped in the end when they are paying tickets for, you know, whether you're a season seat holder or just coming to see a game from wherever you're, you're located at. Um, and you won't be able to see these star players uh, right. because of something like load management in a situation where they're healthy. Right. And I think that that's really the concern because we're starting to see, you know, a variation of load management on the college level. Right. Like you, there, you look at a guy like John Morant, he did not participate in any real workouts or games up until the other day. Um, same thing with Zion. Right. A lot of these guys are foregoing you know, playing in certain situations because they know that they're, you know, going to be guaranteed a, a lottery pick and more money and more possibilities to earn that money down the line. And they're not going to take risks for it. Right. So now you're not going to see those guys come out in summer in summer league. And that's kind of disappointing because, you know, you want to see the best of the best play. You want to see these young guys and these rookies and these top lottery draft picks go up against each other. And now it's essentially going to be turned into a bunch of G League guys and guys who didn't get drafted fighting for a spot. And that's great for them, but it's not great as far as a competition and development standpoint. In my opinion, I understand, you know, you're a young kid, go get your money, provide for your family. Amazing. I'm all in support of that. But at the same time, some of these things are also going to stifle the systems and programs that we have in place for additional player development and it'll be because of things like load management and wanting to reserve players talents and time and opportunities for you know the main roster and for the regular season and for the playoffs um so i get it it's a business decision and a lot of front offices will have to make those choices but i'm curious to see how the league will have to handle that um moving forward I mean, yeah, I think like everything you said is, is is super interesting, especially when you think about how specific the Kawhi situation really was. And, you know, we're Raptors fans. We won a championship. So, like, it's going to be hard to tell me, you know, as a fan where it's like, let's say with Siakam in the line, it's like, I think I'm going to be pretty, you know, averse to saying, yeah, let's load manage him because we could win another ring. And it, it, if the, you know, if the, prize is that big or like you said with Zion and Ja, the prize is millions and millions of dollars or risk a tragedy where you don't get that money it's kind of like it's it ends up being a bit of a no-brainer and yeah it does kind of fall back to like the system and and what do we do because I'm also of the belief that as far as the load management when if you make less games in the NBA guess what there's still going to be load management Oh, 100%. As long as the strategy is save your guys till the end if you want to win it all, then I don't really see a way around it because you could look at Durant, right? He had to play too many minutes in uh, the first round against the Clippers. Um, and he was kind of thinned out. And Golden State didn't play for the marathon because they invested in superstars and, and not a bench. And, and the Raptors didn't do that. We played the marathon game. And we won it all. And maybe that's an asterisk, but at the same time, it's like, it just worked. So yeah, if you're Philly, 
I, I don't see how you don't load manage Embiid. If you're the Lakers, I don't see how you don't ma- load manage uh, LeBron. But at the same time, yeah, if you're if you're you know live in Atlanta or Memphis or or some some place that isn't a competitive team, you won't get the superstars. And I think that's kind of tough. Uh, you know, if, if you're a good team, odds are you will get the superstars because they need those superstars to still beat you. But, um, yeah, it should be something that is that, that will evolve and it's going to change the NBA. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and not only that, but I actually think it's going to change for a lot of people in sports, right? Like, you know, I could see, uh, a league like the MLB doing something like that, where it's like, look, you know, we have. Stanton or Aaron Judge or whoever, right? And and say, look, we play 160 plus baseball games in a season. My guy's going to sign a contract so that he only has to play 100. Right. And we're going to rest him, load manage him, and keep him ready and fresh so that by the time we're ready to go to a World Series, he's running on you know full power. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, I I could see it in that, or even in in hockey, for example, right? Like. You look at you know some of the past Stanley Cup winners. You look at uh, you know the Pens. You look at the the Kings. They were eighth seeds. You know they weren't top seeds in their conference, and yet they when it was all said and done, they were destroying their opponents in the playoffs and and ultimately won a title because to them it was almost like look seeding doesn't entirely matter to us because we know we have the talent and the skill and maybe we're injury riddled, maybe we're not. But in hockey, it actually would make sense to load manage guys, uh, especially if you know that you know a guy plays only sixty or seventy games every year, and he's guaranteed to miss ten with a an upper or lower body injury. And yeah. With a game as physical as hockey, I could absolutely see them adopting load management because it makes the most sense for such a physical game. So and they I think, already you know, load manage their goalies. They got exactly. Like no exactly. goalie plays eighty two games. That would be exactly. A recipe for disaster. Like, so. Exactly, exactly. And and so I think like what we've seen in the NBA this past year is not, uh, you know, an asterisk. It's not, you know, an outlier. I think this is going to continue to be the pattern and trend. And I think it's something that we need to watch for because I think as fans, you want to see the best of the best play, especially when it matters most. But for, for the average person who, you know, enjoys basketball and maybe doesn't have a ton of money but decides to take their kid or their family or their partner or friend uh, out to see a game one day, you know, I want to be there to see the top stars play against the Raptors and vice versa, right? And if I if I can't see that, then why am I investing my money or my time in this product when I know that really and truly I'm going to be able to see it in the playoffs, but I probably won't be able to actually afford a ticket anyways. No, it's a it's a great point. I'm a season seat holder with uh, my brothers and some friends, and and there's a lot of debate like when. When do you take that Clippers game? Because as as funny as it seems, I mean, are you like super confident that Kawhi is going to come and play? Like, I think he probably will. And, it, you know, but it's Kawhi. He answers to his, himself. So if he's not feeling like playing against the Raptors, he won't. So exactly. all of a sudden you've, you know, you took that game like third overall or something. And then you show up and Kawhi is not playing. And you're like, oh, man. Um yeah, so it's, it's well, kind of and, and especially like the Clippers are going to have to do that with Paul George, right? Like Paul George is still not healthy, and mm-hmm. they're saying he might not even be healthy till November, and that's just what we're hearing as yeah. rumors. Maybe like nothing has really been confirmed. Obviously, I heard ten games at least at the minimum, and and so don't tell me that Paul George is going to play miss ten games and then 
come right back in and play 35 minutes a game. That's exactly. not happening. They are going to have to load manage him, especially with a guy who has, you know, an, an injury history, right? Like, let's be real. Paul, Paul George, as great as he is and has become and developed, he still snapped his leg. <laughs> and it took him a year and a half, almost two years to get back to sort of kind of being the guy that he was. And even now, he's still very much more of a wing perimeter oriented guy. He's not the dunker that we used to know. He's not the, as voracious of an attacker. Right. And, and you know, it, it, this stuff takes time. And with that and both shoulder injuries and OKC, I don't see him standing the test of time with this team on the Clippers without having some sort of injury unless they load manage him to get him to the playoffs so that he is healthy when they need him and Kawhi the most. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And if you're the Clippers, you have a very, very close eye on that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, Derek, uh, after after last week with uh, our technical issues, I'm, I'm happy we got you on. And, uh, and yeah, th- thanks for chatting with us. Yeah, no problem, man. It's always my pleasure. Thank you for having me, and uh, I'm glad that the uh, technical issues uh, got figured out. And, uh, yeah, I'm more than happy to come back on the pod anytime. Thank you, guys. Awesome, man. I'm happy to have you back. And, uh, you know, support your local broadcaster, everyone, CBC, you know? (laughs) And go out and vote. And go out and vote. There it is. It's It's the the Confederacy Confederacy of Dunks Dunks Basketball Basketball Podcast. Podcast.